0: The more we move, the more freedom we have with our diet. The less we move, the more strict we have to be with nutrition. And a lot of people, myself included, and myself included with clients, you know, there's a line with nutritional strictness that we don't want to cross. You know, we don't want to get too strict with it.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Mom Light the podcast dedicated to helping you find more health, vitality, vibrancy, radiance, all the good stuff, despite the challenges of modern life, life right now, and everything in between. I am your host, Kanchan Koya a molecular biology PhD turned health and wellness warrior, lover of spices, lover of delicious, healthy food, and most of all, lover and believer in the power of food and lifestyle as our ultimate medicine so we can feel our best and show up as the best, most radiant version of ourselves in this life for ourselves and others. On today's podcast episode, I am super stoked to be welcoming Rochelle Robinette, a clinical herbalist and holistic health practitioner who is going to help us unpack the treasure trove that is herbal medicine. Now, I grew up with spices in India. They were kind of second nature to me. But herbs always felt like, okay, yeah, I can dabble in cilantro and basil and holy basil and mint, some of the familiar ones. But there are so many incredible herbs, medicinal, culinary, and again, a whole range. And really their power is something that has fascinated me from a health perspective. And like I said, there is no one better to help us unpack that treasure trove of herbal magic than Rochelle Robinette. Rochelle is a clinical herbalist and holistic health practitioner. She combines plant-based and natural medicine with practical lifestyle tips to help people find balanced, lasting health. I love to emphasize the practical because that's something that is really Rochelle's jam and you're gonna see it come through in our conversation today. She holds certificates in complementary and integrative health and clinical herbalism and has been studying the relationship between plants and people her entire life. I have met Rochelle a couple of times and I have to say she kind of oozes plant magic, sort of plant peace, plant gloriousness. Like she lives it, she breeds it. it. It just oozes out of her and I just want to know whatever she's doing, I want to do it. So I'm so excited to share her wisdom with you today. Michelle grew up on a farm in the Pacific Northwest, and now she spends her time really, really working with individual clients, with companies, and through her platform and cafe, Supernatural, which is dedicated to real-world wellness, a product line of herbal gummies called Herbals HRBLS. I have tried these, you guys, and they are legit. There's like a daily kind of vitalized one, and then there's a relaxation one. I've tried them both. They both really, really made a difference. I couldn't wait to restock. They were out of stock, but I believe they're back in stock. She does workshops, online herb classes, health classes, one-on-one coaching, sort of runs the gamut. Rochelle is entrenched in the wellness world but has an eye on the rest of the world, which I love. She really brings a global perspective to individual health. And you can actually get your hands on some of her online offerings, whether it's herbals, HRBLS, or whether it's her online classes where she does a deep dive into herbal medicine and wellness. And you can get a discount using the code SPICE. So check it out, RochelleRobinette.com. You are all that good stuff. And I will link everything in the show notes. Without further ado, guys, I give you clinical herbalist and master of all things health and herbs, Rochelle Robinette. Rochelle, welcome to Mom Light. Hi, thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to pick your brain. Um, You are such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to nature and herbs and remedies for wellness. And I have to say, like, you are just, you radiate wellness, if that's, you know, one can say it that way. You really do. I mean, we met a year ago and I was like, I want to have whatever she's having.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I definitely live it, you know, I'm obsessed. Yeah, you really
1: do. And it comes through like your social media presence, your messaging. So that's amazing. So I just want to start by asking how are you doing amidst, you know, an unprecedented crisis when it comes to humanity, COVID 19, 70 plus days of lockdown, lots of stress and anxiety. How have you
0: been coping? How are you doing? Oh my gosh, it's wild. It, you know, it feels like a blur to look back on the 70 days i couldn't have you know guessed how many days we we were locked down It's just sort of passing and passing but you know in the beginning i like everybody else that i know you know was very afraid and there was uncertainty and there was you know higher stress and higher nervous system activation and just really you know kind of edgy and uncomfortable and over time and with more information and because, you know, we humans acclimate sometimes so quickly to things, that's definitely settled down for me. And, you know, thankfully, from a business standpoint, parts of Supernatural are still functional. So I'm I'm very grateful to be working and, you know, continuing to serve people health. And the health awareness is really high. So that aspect of things has kept me fairly busy. You know, blessing in disguise, a lot of people are really becoming aware and prioritizing more highly their health. And on a more personal level, I'm naturally very comfortable with isolation and separation and, you know, call it introversion or just having this inclination for being kind of an outsider, you know, and comfortable with that. It's not been difficult to take a break from the social aspect of life. I did think that I was going to go crazy without like my gym routine and some of these usual comforts, but you know, I've I've practically forgotten about that and thankfully live in a part of Brooklyn that is spacious enough that I can still go run. You know, we don't have kids yet, so we're not doing schooling and juggling as many pieces as a lot of other people. I know, you know, you're juggling a lot more pieces than I am. So we have a, a fairly comfortable little buffer here that I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I hear you. In the beginning, that sort of palpable, like, hyper alert, hyper, like, fight or flight, but, like, fight or Mm -hmm. flight every day for weeks. Like, it was palpable, Mm -hmm. really debilitating, I think, in moments. Mm -hmm. And um, it has passed, which I'm grateful for, too. Um, And you're right, we are so adaptable. It's kind of mind-blowing, you know, and I think, like, a, don't know, like, a breath of fresh air as a realization through this thing that no one likes, no one wants, but, like, silver linings were adaptable we make things work and I mean, it sounds like you've enjoyed the isolation. I'm extremely extroverted, but I think this was like a forced reflection period for me. And I think mm-hmm. it's really, really powerful. Um, it's it's so rare in this time to actually take the time to slow down and reflect and pause and go inward. And it's like a, it was like a forced retreat. I was joking with my husband, like people spend yeah. the money to go on these retreats and be quiet and like socially isolated for days. And I'm like, this is the free retreat. <laughs> So true. It's so true. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of lessons there. Well, amazing. So let's just kind of go way back. And, you know, you're an herbalist, you're a coach, you are a wellness guide, you're an educator. How did all this happen? How did you end up falling in love with herbs and nature and all these beautiful natural
0: remedies that you live and breathe now? (laughs) Well, it's funny. Back in the beginning, I didn't. I I did love them and I didn't love them. So I I grew up in nature. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest on a farm. And, you know, that sounds romantic, but as a kid, it's not fun. You know, it's work. And we worked all the time, you know, outside taking care of animals and a huge garden and, you know, painting barns and doing these projects that would last weeks and weeks and be really manual. And, you know, I learned, of course, learned so much there. From you know, a work ethic standpoint, but also it gave me a relationship with nature, and probably, you know, a large part of my comfort being fairly isolated comes from growing up in an environment like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, being really sensitive to the natural environment and then having parents that were in sort of Eastern and Western medicine. So one's an anesthesiologist and the other's a dietitian and nutritionist you know, I was just kind of immersed in ideas of body health and chemistry and nutrition and, you know, I was I was able to say, you know, what how does the heart connect to the lungs and the brain and mom, what are you know, what is this good for and what is that good for and learning about food, you know, really early. And I was pretty obsessed with it was more of a spiritual angle for me back then. I was I was not religious and my family wasn't religious, but we were at a religious school. So I had this early kind of pressure to find a faith. And so I went off searching. I was reading about the world's religions and trying to understand, you know, what truth was um, at a pretty young age. And what that did, and I realized this in retrospect, of course, is I learned, you know, while I was pursuing the spirituality, I was learning about all of the medicinal systems and the schools of thought in the world you look at sort of Ayurveda and yoga and the spirituality is interwoven with the food, with the asana practice, you know, you learn about the whole system at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was sort of touring traditional Chinese medicine and shamanism and all these different schools of thought. And long story short, I'm still on that quest. (laughs) But I basically, you know, was determined to get off of the farm and to get away from the dirt and... I was on a mission to move to New York City and work in fashion. And that's what I did. (laughs) But along the way, you know, I didn't realize until much later that, you know, I was, I never stopped practicing my personal health. I never was not obsessed with nutrition and wellness and herbs and supplements and the effects of what we put in our body, you know, on our bodies and our minds and our spirits. And, there was this moment in New York fashion when I just became satisfied with what I had done from a career standpoint. It was sort of confusing because I expected to always be in fashion, like that was my dream and and I sort of checked the box and then my whole kind of body and past was like, "Okay, what's next?" And what I had was, you know, this practice that I'd always had and At the same time that that was kind of re-presenting itself to me, the wellness world was also... The industry was becoming very popular. And people were kind of like, oh, Rochelle knows about that. You know, Rochelle goes on really weird retreats and eats really weird food. Like, (laughs) ask her. So it started to be drawn out of me at the same time that I was ready to shift what I was doing with my life and that was the turn and so i sort of made a decision and committed to just starting to pursue the path of wellness as a career Mm -hmm. and you know slowly but surely with lots of you know other details that we don't need to get into now unless you want to but um basically i've had it all along i just never really realized it would be my career until it was
1: That's so interesting. You tried to move away from it, but it was like you said, drawn out of you again. Mm -hmm. Um, That's so fascinating. Um, Yeah. And like you said, growing up on the farm, you know, can seem very romantic, but you wanted to get away. And go to New York City and pursue fashion. Yeah. so, so fascinating. So here you are, um, you now live, breathe and work in wellness. You help Mm -hmm. people feel better through private consults, through training programs, through digital programs, through your beautiful cafe and all the beautiful products that you sell through the cafe and yeah, just like so many amazing, beautiful offerings. And so I thought it would be really fun and instructive you know, for the listeners if we touched on maybe like a couple of areas that always come up in conversations about health these days as areas where people are looking for guidance and looking for help. Um, and so maybe you could share some of your kind of top tips or top herbs or practices that you think are really helpful for those particular challenges.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, stress and anxiety is, I would say for years, has been number one. It's so magnified
1: now, right, with this whole crisis. And Are you seeing that in your practice and with your audience on social and everywhere else, like it's really coming up
0: as a huge area of unmet need? Absolutely. I think if anybody had any question about whether or not, you know, it was present in their life or if they maybe didn't have it before, you know, they're dealing with it now. So... Surely yeah, I have surely to
1: explain. like I am not really an anxious person and I don't feel like I'm wired to be hyper anxious, like I'm kind of an optimist and I can always like figure out a way through an anxiety provoking situation and um, this 70 days has been really interesting for me because I have haven't felt like anxious in an obvious way, but it's been manifesting in really subtle ways. Um, You know, through like not able to sleep as well, like my monthly cycle was really off the first month and we spoke Mm -hmm. to an endocrinologist and a hormone specialist and she said, you know, anxiety can wreak havoc on your cycle even if it's super subconscious. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people writing me on social saying, oh, my cycle is super off too. And so I think there's been this collective kind of anxiety spike naturally. You know, we're not hardwired to handle this kind of situation. (laughs) So um, our fight or flight is in full effect. So when, when someone comes to you in your practice as a coach, or even in, you know, like in consults um, and says, I'm suffering from a lot of stress and anxiety. What are some of the top tips that you really kind of focus on with them?
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, so I always, I mean, and and if you know me, you know that I work really holistically. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people come in with, I want an herb for a thing. And sometimes we do an herb for a thing, but a lot of times, you know, it includes looking at lifestyle and diet too. And stress and anxiety is important to look at from a couple of different angles. So one is, you know, what's causing it. And sometimes that's really obvious. And sometimes that's not obvious at all. You know, if you look at something like a generalized anxiety disorder, there may not be any real obvious cause. And it may be very difficult to kind of track that down. But there are also often obvious causes of stress and anxiety. And we can try to medicate the symptoms with herbs, but that's only going to get us so far. So any time I can help people track down the sources and the causes of things, then you know we do that. And we may do that at the same time that I'm also recommending herbs. And then the other aspect that's important to consider with stress and anxiety is that it manifests very differently for people. And how it manifests for you will determine which herb or practice we employ in remedying it. You know, so if you if it's affecting your sleep, then we need to be working on sleep supports. You know, we may work on your stress levels during the day as well, and also sleep supports. Some people have, you know, racing thoughts. Some people have an agitated physical body. Some people have emotions or it, you know, affects their sexual hormones. So looking at how it's affecting your body and your mind will also help lead you to the right herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, So then (laughs) it'll probably lead you to two categories of herbs Uh, that's the adaptogens and the nervines. and you know broad strokes the adaptogens tend to be helpful for creating normalcy in the body so you know getting everything back to a really good baseline not sedating you not making you you know impervious to stress but kind of you know rebalancing holistically a system they're very they're not they're not only difficult to target with but they're fairly impossible to target with like by definition an adaptogen is it's non-specific and normalizing but you know ashwagandha is a great great herb for stress that's an adaptogen i also really like rhodiola for people who are feeling especially lethargic and stressed that one can create a little bit more of a calm energy. It's also helpful for mood and physical exertion. If you're working out a lot, it can help with the performance and the recovery from that. And then my other category of herbs that I use almost all the time for stress and anxiety relief are nervines, and that includes herbs like lavender, chamomile, oat, California poppy, skullcap, and a few more. And those are quick acting, they're specific. Some of them are sedatives, so they're great for sleep. Others are non-sedatives, so you can use them during the daytime. And those will give you like a kind of an on the spot fix when you need to chill out.
1: Wow, so interesting. So I have to say when you started to mention the nerve vines, I immediately thought about your nerve-less, a little chew. <laughs> that um, mm-hmm. I tried and I loved and I really feel like they helped me sleep better through the last couple of months. And I actually went to your website to try to get the refill and it was sold out. So
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Talk soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's so fascinating. And do you feel like there is room to use both in the same person or is it really like mm. one class suits a certain
0: type of like anxiety manifestation better than the other? You can definitely use both. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I like, a lot of times I'll use ashwagandha as like a foundational herb, you know, and it's meant to be used every day for a long period of time. So you have that, you know, sort of laying the groundwork and then you can use the nerve on top of that as needed. But yeah, those, those interweave with each other really nicely. Amazing.
1: And with ashwagandha and the other adaptogens like rhodiola would be the same class, right? You mentioned something mm-hmm. that I think is really important, which is that they're meant to be taken for a long period of time they're not meant to be this like overnight kind of magic bullet fix Mm -hmm, and i feel mm -hmm. like maybe people like especially our society we're not really very good at like being patient (laughs) so we might say oh i tried ashwagandha and it didn't really do anything you know and um yeah how long do you feel like you've experienced like in your experience how long do people have to take something like ashwagandha to for them to start feeling the effects
0: yeah, I mean, that one, we recommend six weeks before you decide, you know, is it right for you? Is it not? And that's six weeks every single day at, you know, a good therapeutic dose, which is usually like two grams, three grams. I was just um, that. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, it's a specific dosage and these are the places where it's important to you know, find either a really reputable company that's giving you great information, which frankly is hard to find, you know, or somebody who knows their way around an herbal routine for you. So you can, you know, you can have one that works.
1: Yeah. Like yourself. And so do you have a particular type of formulation? Because I've seen like capsules and then I've obviously seen the powders that people put in like their tea or coffee or... I don't know, whatever smoothie or hot chocolate. Um, it's been a lot of things these days. I've seen it in
0: granola. Like, are mm. certain formulations better than others? Well, it's not. There's nothing wrong with having it in granola, for example. But I guarantee, you know, there's not two grams in the granola per serving. So, um, probably not in the whole bag, but. I don't know the brand. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this um, is important, right? Yeah. So, you know, the powder or the capsules is fine, tincture. All of those are totally fine, but you, you want to have the formulation that's going to be the one that you'll use. So, a lot of people don't like the taste of ashwagandha. And so, you know, don't get the powder if you don't like the taste. And then just make sure that whatever product you're buying has the dosage that you need from any herb.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, would some of these medicinal mushrooms fall
0: into this adaptogen category as well? Mm, uh, Cordyceps are considered an adaptogen, yes. Reishi is sometimes considered an adaptogen. The others are not technically, but they're still phenomenal.
1: And how do these, I mean, do we have a sense, like kind of at a molecular level, like what's going on? How are these natural products, um, compounds, like resetting the system to kind of a good baseline state of stress or lack of stress?
0: Yeah, so it totally depends on the herb when you're looking at the science and the mechanism of action for these. And if you're really, I'm sure you know this, but, you know, for listeners, if you're really interested in that in that, in the term to kind of search for is mechanism of action. And that can tell you what exactly is happening in the body that's triggering, you know, usually it's a binding to a receptor site that is then, you know, increasing a hormone or decreasing a hormone level. The thing that's tricky about adaptogens is that and this is part of why they get their name and the, the sort of definition of normalizing, they can have different effects on different people because, so let's look at ashwagandha and cortisol, for example. If we say that ashwagandha is normalizing and its intention is to get your cortisol to a normal level, if your cortisol is high, then ashwagandha is going to be bringing your cortisol down. And if my cortisol is low, going to be helping to bring it up. It's not quite as simplistic as that, but essentially, you know, it's got the capacity to have seemingly opposite effects Mm. on different people. And that is something that Western medicine doesn't really have a term for. Other sort of systems do, and this is like not an odd thing. But for Western medicine, it's it's kind of an odd thing. It's like, well, you know, it should only raise or lower, you know, not both. But
1: right, like balancing, it's almost like balancing, normalizing, whatever. Yeah, right. Like our drugs don't really do that; they either activate or deactivate. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's an amazing overview of adaptogens because they've become so trendy. Do you find? they can backfire in some people who don't take them with the proper guidance
0: yeah they can i would say most often what happens is they don't work for somebody if they're you know used incorrectly but for example the ginseng and even rhodiola can be really energizing and if we have that at too high of a dose it can exacerbate anxiety you know make you feel really anxious and uncomfortable and like too mm-hmm. revved up but at a lower dose, it could help you sleep. You know, so that's where the dosing really becomes important. And then I think, you know, not everybody needs adaptogens, and, and marketing kind of tells us that everybody needs them. But mm-hmm. you know, that's there are funny. thousands of other <laughs> plants. Yeah, I
1: went to an Ayurvedic um, practitioner last year, like an actual Ayurvedic doctor who you know listened to my pulse and gave me all these dietary recommendations. And I actually asked her about Ashwagandha at the end and she said, Ashwagandha isn't going to help you. Hmm, and that's what she said. <laughs> she didn't say <laughs> it would hurt me. She just kind of was like, That's not what you need to be focusing on. So yeah. it's interesting. I was like, but everybody's taking it and it's supposed to be like amazing, like panacea. But I think it's really important to highlight like these things you know, have to be used systematically by a practitioner who has experience in a very kind of bio-individualized way. And just because, you know, it's the hottest thing doesn't mean it's where you should be necessarily sort of focusing or spending your resources.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So true. So true.
1: What about, okay, so that's an amazing breakdown of like stress, anxiety, herbs and the categories and um, why it's important to work with someone like yourself. And um what are some, like, is there a practice that you feel like you could, you would universally recommend that you've seen, like really helps people rebalance kind of stress, anxiety, you know, in their lives?
0: Mm. Well, one size fits all stress and anxiety reduction. This is a good one. <laughs> Putting you, uh, on the spot. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that, what I would recommend and what I see work and what I practice is really about time management and priorities. And maybe that seems really obvious, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the thing. It's like, if it's got to be weekly, it can be weekly. Sometimes it's sometimes helpful to have larger plans to ladder up to. But, you know, at this point, we can't see that far into the future, right? So it's every week. What are, what are the like couple of things, just a couple that really matter to me, what's actually important, you know, and make sure that those are the highest priority for you Mm -hmm. each day. If it's something that you can do first thing in the morning, you know, we hear this advice, but if we actually practice it, it's really powerful. You know, can we do those things first thing in the morning? So they're already done, you know, and when we, when we sort of, severely prioritize it relieves a ton of pressure and all the little stuff that adds up in between us and what we really care about it's easier to dismiss it or make it wait or you know just kind of do it later or not worry about it because you know what really matters to you and you're doing that you know first so this is something that i help clients with it's something i do myself it's something i do with my companies and like you know empower employees mm-hmm. to ignore things you know that are not in service of what we really have to do right now and it really liberates people from the mass of minutia that comes to get us every day
1: I love that so much and I think that's why, like you said, your approach is holistic. I mean, you would go to an herbalist and be like, what herbs am I taking? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, relieve that pressure of that sort of humming to-do list that's like never really mm-hmm. realized. I totally feel the anxiety of carrying that around. and also try to put down like my most important tasks and I think there never has been a time probably in human history where that kind of practice is more important and more called for just because we are bombarded by all the minutiae right and it seems so compelling in the moment like to run after this piece of content or this whatever you know some really important things are not getting done and that's sort of perpetuating the anxiety so true so true. That's amazing, um, Rochelle. So, so powerful. So, what are some things that you do? Like, in your, you know, because you're juggling a lot of things, you create content online, you see, pay, you know, you see clients. What are a couple of things that you absolutely will never not do <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> in the stress management department?
0: I will always, always care, probably first and foremost, about what I eat. That is always a high priority. Physical exercise is always a high priority. I was kind of joking the other day when I was talking to my partner and I was like, look, going outside is more important than anything else. <laughs> I just like stopped what I was doing and then went outside. And sleep, you know? So it's really like sleep, food, water. Those are critical. And they have been important for so long that they're just a part of my routine. There's, you know, second nature. You don't think about it. And, and that's the other cool thing that can happen when we decide that, you know, we want to make something a priority, we keep it a priority for, you know, a couple of weeks or however long it takes to form that habit. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. It's mm-hmm. just something you do, you know? Yeah,
1: totally. And, you know, I feel like they're not like sleeping, prioritizing sleep, moving and eating well. Everybody knows that those are super important. And yet, like people... You know, and sometimes I fall into that trap. I'm looking for that sort of magic bullet again. But the magic yep. bullet might just be like really focusing on those basics. Um, and like you said, making the right kind of protocol a habit so that it's not feeling effortful. It's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, so in terms of food, um, you know, in terms of diet, um, obviously like you eat. You know, real food. What are some sort of principles that you really, really believe in when it comes to your diet, diet in general, um, not just for
0: stress and anxiety, obviously, but just overall health? So I really believe in plant-based or plant-forward. I don't think that somebody has to be vegan or vegetarian, but it's really undisputed at this point that a plant-forward diet is ideal for basically every health, you know, marker. And so that I ascribe to, and I- Are you 100% plant-based? Not 100%, but 100% by default. So if I go on vacation or there's some kind of special occasion, you know, then I'll cross over for fish or cheese or, you know, a little bit of meat or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There have definitely been periods. I wasn't raised plant-based at all, but in my health journey, There are periods when I'll be 100% for long periods of time. And that's, you know, like before, for example, before ayahuasca, you know, I did a really strict dieta and was totally plant based for a very long time and afterward as well. But when we went to Southeast Asia on our honeymoon, you know, it was impossible. Like I order vegetarian, and you know, learn later that it was like a fish soup or something. Yeah, so. <laughs>
1: they're like it's um, vegetarian. There's vegetables. I know. I lived in Hong Kong, and I was like, no, it's not happening. It's very hard. So very like I would. I guess it sounds like very plant-forward, um, kind of
0: flexitarian. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I get asked a lot, you know, do I eat 100% organic? And I don't. That would be, you know, nice, but again, like I I go to a farmers market that is a few blocks from our place, and it's a little, it's not even a farmers market, it's a community garden, I should say. And, you know, those are local farms that are supplying produce that you can pick up, and those farms don't have the budget to be certified organic but it's local food and that is a higher priority to me you know local fresher produce is more Mm -hmm. important to me than it being certified organic those are probably the the two most important food elements to me is that it's produce and that you know we're getting the best quality that we have access to and can afford and sometimes that's you know not very good but i would still buy you know conventional celery at the at the Brooklyn regular old grocery store uh, as opposed to you know not buying a, a fresh piece of produce
1: right 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 and are there particular herbs that you kind of use routinely in cooking outside of like taking like tinctures and supplements that you kind of
0: swear by yeah i do that's a fun question um I love, love, love cinnamon, like forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's just like, it's such a great flavor. It can go sweet. It can go savory. It stabilizes your blood sugar. I use it as like a nightcap ingredient. I used to put it in my breakfast. I use it with clients a lot. Good for digestion. Like so many things. Always garlic, turmeric, always like different kinds. We have a lot of different kinds of pepper right now, which is very cool. I hadn't explored different types of pepper before, burlap and barrel, of course, but now we have all these different types of pepper. Um, what other spices? Oh, fresh, like fresh herbs. So, parsley, cilantro, um, any kind of green, you know, mint, uh, oregano, sage, thyme, rosemary. Those are so easy to find and they're so medicinal uh, and kind of overlooked.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I love the series or kind of series you've been doing on your Instagram where you talk about like thyme or rosemary and have like beautiful ancient texts around, like even poetry around their benefits. Mm. Um, That's (laughs) been really fun. So definitely follow Rochelle um, on Instagram where she really breaks down the benefits of some of these, like you said, very easily available, often overlooked herbs that people go and seek out for a particular recipe but they don't Mm -hmm. just kind of have in their kitchen. One of the things that people do ask me, and I'm less an expert on these fresh herbs, honestly, than some of the drier spices and storing them and whatnot, is like they find it hard to kind of get the herb and then get it to lost. Um, Mm. So do you have any tips at all for that?
0: I don't know if it's particularly novel, but I just keep it in water. So like, depending on how fresh it is, you know, put the stalks in water, as if you you know were what you would do with sort of fresh cut flowers, mm-hmm. um, and then put and it then in the fridge presumably right. Depending on if you just got it, so if I get it from the market down the street, I won't put it in the fridge right away. I'll leave it out that way, and hopefully that you know inspires putting it into food more quickly too. Right, um, but then then yeah, definitely put it in the fridge. I think you know doing if there is an herb that you use on a regular basis i found that doing just a little bit of research to find out you know how it stores well in the fridge is worth it so you know there are all these different kinds of bags that have just the right amount of perforation so certain you know air gets in but not too much that can really make a huge difference you know like what shelf to put it on in your fridge those kinds of things
1: yeah cool i'm going to try putting it in water and leaving it out next time cuz i feel like i always put it in the fridge and sometimes like you said, it's like out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. not using it as often. And I don't know that it really helps the shelf life. So that's a great tip. Yeah. Okay. So, shifting gears to another um, health area that comes up a lot, and I'm sure it comes up in your practice, is digestion. Mm-hmm. So gut health, everybody on everybody's mind, you know, and rightfully so. I mean, it's linked to so many aspects of overall health. What are some of your top tips when it comes to herbs
0: and practices for better gut health? Oh my gosh. I teach so much about this. (laughs) Um, I love it. I mean, gut health. So gut health is equally what we put in and what we don't put in. So on the what to put in side, you know, big fan of probiotics, you know, supplements and also eating them. Lots and lots of fiber. That's a big one. Uh, you want to do, you know, fiber from good sources, not just psyllium husk. That comes up all the time. And then, you know, a great diet, which we probably won't get into all the details of that now, but that's important. And then what we don't want to put in are antibiotics and over the counter medications are often unavoidable. So if we have had those, then we just need to do a more concentrated gut healing protocol on the other side of having taken those. Mm -hmm. And then we want to avoid some of the really obvious things like too much alcohol, too much caffeine, too much processed food. And then the secret sort of underminer for gut health and for a lot, a lot of other things is flour, like flour-based foods. Mm -hmm. so we tend to overeat that so it's like we have it sometimes and you know we know it's treat and it's fun and it's good quality flour you know can be gluten-free or not but a lot of times we're just like having it you know consistently throughout the day and don't realize that you know it's converting really quickly into sugar can be um, very inflammatory can disrupt you know our mental stability our gut health all sorts of different things so Mm-hmm. Just as like one, one kind of note that can be really helpful for improving gut.
1: Yeah. So I guess the refined flour versus the whole grain, right? So if you are going to eat, you know, the grain, mm-hmm. like the whole grain is obviously much better for you, broken down more slowly, less inflammatory, mm-hmm. but yeah, we do, I mean, we, we not, we take the whole grain, we strip it of all the goodness and then we put it in to make it a flour, <laughs> And yeah, that like as a staple part of our diet, and that's really problematic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, kind of overall tip for what not to put in. Um, I mean, refined sugar, I guess, would fall into the same bucket. Like, what's your take on that? Because obviously, it's not going anywhere. Um, yeah,
0: mo- you know, modulating it, being mindful. Yeah, I mean, less is more. You know, less sugar is more, and when it comes to like which is better honey or molasses or maple or agave. I mean, they're pretty much exactly the same, you know, in terms of their effects on the health. It's so negligible a difference that it hardly matters. And what we really want is to be having, if it's refined, you know, as little as possible. And if it's natural, like fruit and that sort of thing, then it tends to be pretty fine. But if you're somebody that struggles with you know and and people i was just with a client today for an extra long session because he's got sugar cravings that just will not quit and a lot of people are really struggling with cravings right now and if that's a a challenge then we want to try to bring down all of the different angles that sugar is coming in and when we do that then sometimes we don't ever have to try to quit sugar or to, to quit the snacking or the craving it just subsides because we're not having the the quote unquote sneaky sugars that are coming in. So really less, yeah, less is more there. You know, everybody feels better the less they have.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. It's one of the most common points of feedback I get when I ask my listeners or anyone in my audience, like what's the biggest health challenge? And I, uh, sugar cravings always come up. And like you said, now, especially with people being home and the anxiety level higher, you know it just seems like a really kind of convenient salve and I totally agree I used to be a sugar addict. I have a tendency to get very addicted to things, and sugar is one of them and I just find taking it away is the solution. So Mm. occasionally, but then when I'm finding that I'm getting into that, oh, it's been a little bit too much, like back to back, I need to cut it out for like five days, 10 days, and it like resets everything. And then I stop thinking about it. And then when I have it, it just feels so sweet. It's kind of amazing Mm -hmm. how quickly that threshold can be altered and also how the taste buds can change
0: so quickly. Perfectly put, yeah,
1: yeah. That's amazing. And then what about herbs for digestion? I'm sure you get that question a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. So for digestion, you can kind of look at before food and after food. I really like digestive bitters before food. Those are great. And a lot of times you find those in blends. um, And it's just like a tincture form that you can add to tea, water directly into your mouth, or you can make cocktails or mocktails with them. And then after meals, I really like chamomile if it's later in the day and you're ready to like calm down. Ginger is fantastic. So I'm drinking tea with ginger right now. I actually like to make this ginger concentrate. So you have like a fresh ginger sort of shot that you can put in tea or water. That's fantastic for digestion. Fennel, great for digestion. Super easy, right? Just buy the fennel seeds and you can eat those. You can put them in your tea. Yeah. Are the bitters
1: good before a meal because they kind of boost like digestive enzyme production? What's going on with them?
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. So your body acknowledges the bitters, like taste, sort of taste it and your taste buds taste it. But also all like deeply in your digestive tract, it registers that you've had bitters and the whole digestive tract sort of wakes up and um, produces digestive enzymes and acids that then you're more prepared to receive your food. Wow!
1: And do you sell bitters at your Supernatural, like at your through your, your cafe's online store?
0: Yeah, we do. We sell my favorite orange bitters in like a spray. Super delicious. Nice.
1: You just like spray it in your mouth before a meal. Yeah. It's oh great. my gosh, I'm totally ordering that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, because like people take. I mean, yeah. What's your stance on digestive enzymes? That's also become a bit of a trend
0: yeah you know digestive enzymes um they it's sort of like no harm there there's no, there's no there's nothing wrong with taking digestive enzymes and I think I always say you know none of us digest and absorb a hundred percent of our food mm-hmm. so if you want to take digestive enzymes and kind of try to get more that's totally fine but in all of the years of practice with so many clients of you know gut health um sort of focus i've never had to include digestive enzymes as a treatment because everything else that we did worked
1: so mm-hmm. so the bitters, um, the other herbs, and then obviously, like you said, the diet what focusing yeah. on not just what you're eating but what you're not eating. How do you feel about yes. smoothies um for kind of you know people who maybe have sluggish digestion? Is that something you kind of recommend, or have you seen success with that?
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm glad you brought that up blended food. it's great. Is, you know, adjusted. you've done, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I'm huge fan of that. And sometimes, you know, people are really busy or really have, you know, compromised guts. We might do two meals a day that are blended, like a really hearty soup that's a blended soup and also a smoothie. So, mm-hmm.
1: I'm yeah. totally asking that for selfish reasons because my Ayurveda <laughs> also told me um, to really, you know, double down on the smoothie with the greens and the celery. Mm. Um, because she was like your digestive fire needs a little bit of like um, rebalancing and it's like really helpful and then I've had you know people sometimes are like oh food is meant to be chewed but I think there is so much benefit to kind of really packing in those micronutrients right and all that fiber in a way that's just easy on the gut and I think I've seen you talk about this on your Instagram stories where you're like chew your smoothie yeah
0: yeah yeah totally I mean digestion starts in the mouth especially right. the digestion of carbohydrates so it's funny but I mean I learned this from like a hardcore mentor of mine I mean she's hardcore I love her but she was like here's your you know watermelon smoothie that was just watermelon and here's a spoon <laughs> it's like uh-huh. what do you mean but yeah, having, having the smoothie in your mouth for a little bit, swish it or chew it or you know, put some cacao nibs or something on top so you're actually chewing those and chewing the smoothie and it, it helps even more with digestion.
1: Right, right. Amazing. Those are great um, herbs and tips on gut health. And then I guess the final category would be, again, you probably see this a lot in your practice. I feel like I hear it a lot from people is so many people struggling with excess weight And Mm. kind of finding weight loss to be really difficult. Um, Obviously, like the sugar cravings, the junk food cravings are kind of part of that. But what is your approach if somebody comes to you and says, "You know, I really feel like I would feel better if I lost some weight, but it's just impossible."
0: Yeah, um, you know, it goes in waves, and it's probably seasonal, and it's probably you know also due to the the lockdown. But I do have a lot of clients right now who are focused on weight, and you know, and we can do that, and it. It is possible and it's just a, it's a matter of, you know, adjusting other levers. So sometimes it's more movement. Sometimes it's changing nutrition. Usually it's both of those things. You know, the more we move, the more freedom we have with our diet, the less we move the more strict we have to be with nutrition and a lot of people myself included and myself included with clients you know there's a line with nutritional strictness that we don't want to cross you know we don't want to get too strict with it so that means you know then that means increasing how much we're moving but it's well i don't know what to say it's not there's not um there's not really any secret to it it's about finding the right balance for every person you know how much volume of food do you need? How much fat do you need? What types of food are really working for you? What are not? Do you need two meals a day? Do you need four meals a day? Do you want to do intermittent fasting or not? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And yeah, I would say, you know, for people just kind of general recommendations, the little things add up, you know? So treats add up, having, well, I'll just say that, you know, sort of treats add up, alcohol adds up. And it's not that you can't have, you know, we want to have these things, but we need to sort of step back for a minute and say, which do we want more? You know, do we want the treat every single day or do we want five pounds, you know, less and the treat like a couple times a week? You know, something like that.
1: Yeah, Um, it is about the consistency and like being mindful that the small things add up. I love that you put it. mm -hmm.
0: Um, Do you practice intermittent fasting yourself? I do. I'm a huge fan. Um, I think I've been doing it for six years, like Mm -hmm. almost daily at this point. Oh, so So, like time-restricted eating pretty much every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I'll do 16 hours on, I would say, you know, 95% of the time, just kind of Again, it's like second nature at this point. So yeah, you know, I'll be nice like... You.
1: What's your eating window? And the reason I'm asking is because this comes up a lot too. Like, It's obviously very trendy now and a lot of people doing it. And I just find a lot of people end up doing it and then eating kind of really late in the day because uh, um, it's just convenient with like socializing or whatever. So do you have like, what's your optimal practice?
0: Well, what I'll do is I'll do 16 hours no matter what time I stop at night. So, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's something I recommend to clients too. If you're trying to do intermittent fasting, you know, and you have to eat late, that's fine. Then just fast, you know, later in the next day. But obviously, you do eventually want to catch up and kind of shift it back to a normal time. So, I would say typically I'm finishing dinner by 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. It kind of depends on what's going on. But yeah, you're right, finishing your dinner day, by eight. Later. K- right, right. And then
1: so you'll you'll eat kind of your first meal at noon. Do you take any yep. herbs or anything else before that, or is it like strictly water?
0: Um, I will have water tea, herbal coffee in the morning. I do like herbal nightcap at night with cinnamon and, coffee? and herbs. Um, it's called Rasa. I'm sure you've seen the Rasa blend. Mm-hmm. Um it's one of the greatest products on the market it's so brilliant um so it's, it's actually it's ground
1: coffee up. but it also has herbs in it or it's like there's no coffee
0: they do both so they have they call it dirty rasa it has coffee in it and they have one that that's one and then they have three that have no coffee in them and you can also make so like zach my partner he drinks coffee and i do the herbal coffee but then i'll like put a little coffee in my herbal coffee
1: <laughs> okay just a little pick me up <laughs>
0: Yeah. So cool. Um, yeah. Herbs every so, day,
1: all day, every day. Are there any herbs that you day. recommend for people who are struggling to lose weight?
0: That is one that I don't, let's see. I was about to say I don't do like herbs for weight loss because it's so many other things that matter. Mm-hmm. But I would say that actually, green tea, it can be decaf green tea or regular green tea, that's a really nice herb that supports fat burning and appetite suppression and it has good l-theanine in it mm-hmm. and you can just drink it all day long and have you know so many great benefits in addition to it helping with sort of yeah, weight loss there's
1: some cool studies i've seen in that regard so that's awesome that you brought that up and easy enough to do mm-hmm. um cool gosh there's so many amazing herbs to ask you about and pick your brain <laughs> Uh, People can check you out. So where can they find you and all your beautiful offerings on the interwebs?
0: On the interwebs, so I'm RochelleRobinette.com and RochelleRobinette on Instagram. We're also UR Supernatural. So the letter U, the letter R, Supernatural on Instagram. And everything is there. Newsletter, store, online workshops, events.
1: I Dr. highly Reed. recommend signing up for Rochelle's newsletter. I love it. It like it just captures so many things and like your practice and your philosophy is very holistic. I really enjoyed the newsletter. I just had to say, you know, you bring oh. it reminded me of it. And then the obviously the shop at your supernatural has so many cool herbs and products, some of which you talked about today, like the bitters, the ashwagandha, you know, some of the other um, orbs and your your chews your herbal chews i need to replenish i love the energizing one and i really loved the Norbless one i really genuinely feel like it just made me sleep so well
0: like it was incredible mm. i'm so glad so glad they'll be back in stock as soon as new york opens up again Oh, right. Of course. Yeah.
1: Soon enough. Soon enough. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle, for being on the show and for sharing all your wisdom and being so generous with your tips and your insights. And if people want to dig deeper, you work one-on-one with clients virtually, correct? That is correct. I do. Yeah, perfect. Highly recommend following Rochelle, checking her out and working with her if you want to go deep into leveraging the power of herbs for health. And yeah, thank you. Good luck with your supernatural. I hope to swing by the cafe once industry cities open again. And yeah, and um, hope to see you in person soon. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rochelle.